Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. By the way, you have to have a, your name has to start with J to serve in this class, okay? Um, Justin, who's doing the slides back there. So um, everybody else, if your name doesn't start with J, you're off the hook. So uh, congratulations. Um, real quick, I believe Justin's coming around uh, with uh, handouts and stuff. I actually meant to mention this about Jordan um, when, when he started doing songs. Like we've had a couple people that have kind of popped in and out of class and some people have helped serve and uh I remember one guy um, who actually started coming. He was actually an MTSU student. Ended up transferring uh, a couple of weeks later, and uh, he was uh, he was actually in the music program and stuff. And so he talked to me about helping out with music and all this stuff. And so I think we've started this transition about five times. <laughs> and every time I'm like, "Hey, Jordan, I think I finally got someone for you for songs." And and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever you need." And he always says, "Whatever you need, boss," which I don't like. All right, so but he's like, "Yeah, whatever you need, boss." And so uh, and so I'll say, "All right," and then I'll normally send him a text and says, "All right, we're just gonna wait a little bit on this. Like it didn't work out. That didn't work out." And so he just he just keeps plugging along and. Uh, keeps uh, keeps doing his thing and so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that thankful for Jared hopping in and uh, Jared and Jody as if it hasn't been announced enough I think we're making an announcement on Sunday morning as well but uh, Jared and Jody uh, got engaged over the weekend and so uh, we can give them a hand as well and uh, got a lot uh, got a lot of engagements in here uh, a lot of weddings coming up so I think we've got Dustin and Hannah in June coming up and then Ryan and Charity in May, and then Jared and Jody in July. Am I missing anybody? This was a dangerous game to play. I'm sorry. Um, am I missing anybody? Am I missing anybody? Oh, Brooke and uh, Daniel. Not Daniel. Sorry. That's Daniel's over there. Um, uh, David. Brooke and David. Thank you. Uh, do you guys have a date? October. All right. All right. So Brooke and uh, David coming up in October, and then all right. Anybody else? Anybody else got news? If you do, raise your hand like this, please. So, uh, anyways, that's exciting. That, um, I will tell you, it's hard to build a singles class when everybody gets married. Um, and so, that's uh, all right. It's part of it. So, uh, it, it's, I have enjoyed doing this, um, sheesh, 10 years? Nope, nine years. Nine years I've been doing this. So, 2013. And, uh, no, this is year 10. This is year 10. So coming up. Uh, so anyways, um, enjoyed doing this for the past 10 years and looking forward to, to what God has for the future as well. And so um, anyways, let's enough, enough nostalgia. Let's get to the Bible. All right. Lesson number four, if you have your Bibles and are looking at Romans chapter number one, um, I will say uh, Romans chapter number one, verses 18 through 32. We've got some rough air uh, to read through. But I think if you'll hang on, we can make it very applicable uh, to where you're at. And um, we, will, we will save the, um, some of the tough stuff 
for a different series um, and focus on what this series has, which is uh, the power of the gospel in our lives. And so um, if you have your Bibles and are looking at verse number 18, we closed uh, just for kind of some sake of context. We closed in verse number 17 with our last series or our last lesson. And so um, we read through how that the righteousness of God is revealed. And I love the way that the Bible even words this. And so I want to read verse 17 so that you can kind of hear it in the flow of the passage. But let's begin reading in verse number 17, but we'll be speaking on verses 18 through 32. The Bible says this, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, is revealed from heaven. So we have the righteousness of God is revealed, but then we also have that the wrath of God is revealed. We'll kind of explain that dynamic in the lesson today. But it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Um, do you see just the, uh, the obvious that is showing up? Uh, how many times he says that it's shown unto them. He says that they are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even by his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So now he says there's no excuses because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So it's referring to idols. It's referring to things that we bow down to in place of God. And then he says this, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I want you to go back up and look at verse number 20 uh, with me. Verse number 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal, in power, uh, and eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk to you about lives 
without the gospel. Romans 1, um, if you dig into it, really you don't have to dig into it at all, it's pretty obviously in there, is the proof text that we run to and that we go to as Christians for homosexuality. Um, you will see how homosexuality almost is the result of the lack of God in people's lives. And I don't want to honor and glamorize or really even... There, I screenshot and downloaded articles all week this week knowing where our passage was headed. And for some reason, the Lord would not allow me and give me the liberty to go that route with the passage that kind of lays before us today. Because I think that sometimes as Christians and as children of God, we have this capability of looking at all of the wickedness and evil of the world, some of which the screenshots, and I don't know how up to date you are with the, the news and the, the local events in our area, but um, one of them was the, I believe it was the last week or two weeks ago, there was actually a clash of a um, transgender group and a uh, Turning Point USA group on our town square. And some of the videos that I saw were, I, I actually saw one that had supposedly gone viral and had a bunch of views from something. And I, as I looked at it, I noticed that our library was in the background of it. And so I had all of this information that I was going to kind of compile. But like I said, for some reason, the Lord would not allow me, allow me to go that route. And what I want us to focus on today is what would your life be without the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would your life be without the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because here's what we know about homosexuality. I don't know that there's anyone in this room that I need to change your mind about the wickedness of that sin. But what I also know is that each and every one of us also have a tendency to allow sin into our lives. And if we're not careful, we can look at other people who are worse sinners than us and say, well, goodness gracious, I'm not that. And here's what I want you to remember. You may not be that, but as a blood-bought believer of Jesus Christ, you also don't have to be what you are right now. And Romans 1 gives us a picture of what life without the gospel looks like. And it's not so that we look out and say, oh my goodness, look at them, look at the world. It's so that we can look internally and say, God, they need the gospel just as much as what I needed the gospel. And yes, I've got a lot more hoops to jump through with people in today's society. But they need it just as much as I need it. How do I make my life ready to share it with those who are very much different than I am? And so with that in mind, we're going to look at what lives without the gospel uh, looks like from our passage today and give you a couple of uh, very applicational thoughts that I want to be very clear on. And let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're thankful that you sent your son so that we did not have to live this life without the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say today. Lord, you know this is a heavy passage, and I believe that this is the direction that you've led me as a result of the week that you've, you've given me. And so, God, I ask that you'd help me to be clear with your words. May I not glamorize sin, but, Lord, may I also not uh, embitter uh, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Lord, may we see this wicked world around us as people who need hope, as people who need life, and as people who have you in their hearts, but yet they have yet to make the connection to what they need in this life. In your name we pray. Amen.
not going to spend a lot of time in introduction, but I do want to read the main idea to you here that is uh, also in your notes. The Bible says, or not the Bible says this, but the, the main idea that we've given you from this passage is that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. We see that in verse number 17. It says, for therein, referring back to number verse number 16, where it says that the power of the gospel, he says, I'm unashamed of the power of the gospel. But then it says this, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So the, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, but it also reveals the the way of God, meaning this, that the way of God is also righteous. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have a the possibility to not just receive eternity in heaven and to miss out on hell, but we also now have the capability and the possibility to live in the way that God has created and the way that he has ordained our lives to be and his wrath for all those who do not follow it. And so we understand that because God is righteous, because his way is right, that he desires for us to walk in that way. And when the people that he has created and the, the life that he has given here on this earth choose to live another way, it does bring God's wrath. Part of being righteous is that there is also a righteous wrath. Just the other day we were on our way to school and my kids and I were, were talking in the car and we were talking about uh, how, how we handle tempers and how we only have a four minute drive to school so we don't get to dive very deep but sometimes it sometimes we stay very much above the surface level as long as Baylor's in the car and so um, but we don't get to dive very deep but for some reason the the conversation came up because I believe that they had heard it in a chapel message or in a story or something like that about Jesus getting mad in the temple and how he how he showed his wrath and how he flipped tables and so Braxton being the deep thinker and theologian that he is he he sat there for a second and he goes dad why did Jesus get mad I thought that he was perfect and I said okay let's think about that and, we, and by this point we're like already coming in hot to school like it like we don't really pull in the parking lot and get to have like a five-minute conversation we kind of uh, someone described it we jump out like we're on a mission in Afghanistan like it's like you got two minutes everybody get out of the car like we like send them out like paratroopers or something like that and so uh, anyway, so we're like rounding the corner. I said, and I, but I, it was a good question. And so I wanted to address it. And so we were talking and I said, well, let's think about it for a second, Braxton. I said, does the Bible ever say to not get mad? I said, in fact, the Bible actually says, be ye angry. And he goes, really? And I said, yes. And I said, it says, be ye angry. But it says the rest of that verse follows it up with this and sin not. And I said, I want you to think about something. I said, if the Bible says be angry and it doesn't clarify, it doesn't, it doesn't say not to be angry, but then it follows it with sin not, I said, that means that there is an anger that is sinful and there is an anger that is not sinful. And he goes, okay. And so he was following me and I said, what's something that you can get mad about and it be sinful? And immediately he said, uh... Uh, football, soccer, basketball. I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly, because it doesn't matter, right? I said, if you get mad at a call or if you get frustrated because your team doesn't win or whatever, I said, you can get angry about that, but I said, is that something that God is pleased with? And he said, no, probably not. And I said, what's something in this world that you can get mad about and get angry about and it not be sinful? And he, he thought for a little bit and he couldn't come up with anything. And I said, let's think about this. I said, you understand there are people in this world who don't believe that life begins at birth or at conception and that there's people who think that if you get pregnant, you can kill your baby if you don't want it. And I said, is that something that God is pleased with? And he said, no. 
And then he said, I said, so is that something that it would be right for us to be angry about? And he said, yes. And in this passage, what we see is that not only is the righteousness of God shown in the gospel, but the wrath of God is also shown, and here's why. is because when something is right and people choose not to follow it, that is something that is worth being angry about. That is something that we as Christians should step back. And now let me clarify because we've also misconstrued the word angry, okay? Anger does not mean to go and burn down an abortion clinic. And anger does not mean to go and and get in arguments and to get in fights. And, And really a lot of the times the reason why we see much of this happening in today's society is because if you believe that you hold a right position, it is angering and it is frustrating to see those around you not follow that, right? Many of the the clashes in in all of these marches and all of the things that are going on in this world and and the way that people argue and all the viral videos of people getting frustrated with you, that is the result of someone thinking they are right and then getting angry when someone doesn't agree with them. But you and I as children of God and as Christians with the word of God, we do have the truth. So let me ask you a question. Would God be loving, please listen to this question, okay? Would God be as loving as what you think he is if he was not angry when you chose not to follow his righteous way? That's a very deep and long question, so I want to say it again. Would God be as loving as what you think he is if he was not angry when you chose not to follow his righteous way? Not everyone in the room can identify with this, but as a parent... If I know what is right for my children and it turns into a little bit of a frustrating, tentious situation to where they want to do their way and I want them to do what I, what I know is the right way, then there is something that is wrong to where if I'm loving as a father, if I throw my hands up and just say, you do whatever you want to do, is that actually love? If my children want to play in the street and I'm watching the car zoom around the turn and and I'm watching them get close to being hit, and Blakely, bless her heart, she's in this new thing where she just turns into a limp noodle every time you pick her up and she doesn't want to do something. It's like, all right, it's time to go. Like it's time, it's time to come in inside. Your your snot is frozen. You're going to get pneumonia. Okay. If I pick her up and she just goes limp and it, okay, you do whatever. I would be on the news, right, for not handling a child the correct way. Well, you left him out in the cold for seven hours, okay? So watch this. Sometimes when we look at God and we say, how could he get frustrated and, and he's a perfect God, but yet he shows wrath when we choose not to. Okay, if God's way is truly best and right, then is he loving if he does not show some wrath and some righteous indignation toward we as his creation when we do not follow that. And sometimes we do not have a good perspective of understanding that God's righteousness also includes his wrath. You see that in verse number 18, but then secondly, for the last couple minutes we'll fly through these, the gospel also clarifies the God that is in our hearts. The gospel also clarifies the God that is in our hearts. If you have the time, I would encourage you to cross-reference Romans 1, 8 through, 18 through 23 with Psalm 19, 1 through 3. There is an age-old 
theological question that how could a good God send people to hell who have never heard about him? Biblically, we believe that God has shown people him. I heard this statement one time and it has always stuck with me. Psalm 19 and Romans 1 are proof texts that God is available to us. We know God. We know that there is a creator. And it always is interesting to me to hear someone talk about atheism or agnosticism or whatever. And someone made this statement to me when I was in college and I've never forgot it. Is that we have never, as a as mankind, as a society, uncovered an atheistic culture. Let me explain that, okay? We've never uncovered an atheistic culture. Right now, if you went to some indigenous tribe in Africa that has never been found, that doesn't have internet, that doesn't have, that doesn't have some of the modern commodities that we have that help us understand information, you would not walk into that tribe or that culture or that community and look at them and, and say, where is your God? Oh, well, we don't believe that there is a God. We, we don't worship. We don't sacrifice. Isn't it interesting that the tribes that missionary stories start with when they go, they had their own form of worship. They had their own form of sacrifice. They had all of the, many of the biblical things. It was just to the wrong God. We've never uncovered, as modernized and as worldly as some of even the biblical cultures, Corinth, Rome, all Ephesus, you go and look at these places, even them in their carnality knew that there was a God, little g. So they built temples, they, they found ways to worship, they found ways to sacrifice, and it's because deep within the heart of every man, we understand that there is a God. The Bible teaches us that. But please listen to this, and I want to draw application for us as children of God. It's easy for us to say, well, I'm not a part of the worldly tribe that doesn't believe that there is a God, or I'm, I'm not a part of this group who worships the wrong God, or I'm not a part of this who, who maybe doesn't believe in my God, or, or maybe they get 98% right, but they're missing the 2%, or, or whatever it may be. It's easy for us to step back and watch this, but here's what I want you to see, okay? Please, please, please listen to this. Wickedness is the result of having a wrong view of God. And just as much as those who don't believe in God believe in man worship and cannibalism and some of the things that, that, that we would look at and think, oh, oh, I'm glad I didn't uncover that. Just the same way that they believe in that and just the same way that the LGBTQ crowd believes that their homosexuality is okay and transgenderism is okay and child pornography is okay. The same way that they've developed those beliefs. Please watch this. As a Christian and as a child of God, you may not ever get to that point. But I can promise you this, that if you have a warped view of your heavenly father and of your savior Jesus Christ, wickedness will result in some form or fashion. It may not be that you say, well, I'm not this bad, but you, if you have sin in your life, if you've said, okay, I'm allowing sin to exist in my life, maybe it's some sort of thought life, maybe it's some sort of, maybe it's some sort of feeling, maybe it's some sort of whatever, that is always the result of a wrong perspective on God. 
And in this passage, what you see is that as soon as you begin to develop a different God, they talk about idols, they talk about making them look more like the creature than the creator, you can promise that wickedness will follow. So let's draw some very, very personal application. What is it in your life that you have placed ahead of your heavenly father? What idol have you placed ahead of God? Is it education? Is it relationships? Is it finances? Is it whatever? Is it a job? You may not ever say, I'm going to go and put an idol in my room. But I can promise you this. You can put things in your life ahead of God and wickedness will be sure to follow. So first of all, the gospel reveals the wrath of God. Secondly, the gospel clarifies the God that is in our hearts. So if God is there, the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, it sanctifies us, it saves us, but it draws this bridge now to what we're feeling in us. Now we get to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But then thirdly, the gospel saves us from a life without God. The gospel saves us from a life without God. One of the screenshots that I took this week that I, I just want to share quickly, I won't, I don't, I won't show the picture but because um, I didn't get it to Justin, but I just want to share the thought and, and kind of share it with you, is that there was a very, for lack of a better term, I wish I could come up with a better term, but for lack of a better term, a very woke, liberal um, pastor or Christian influencer who was talking about how that the gospel was for everyone. And so he said, when we say that the gospel is for everyone, we mean that the gospel is for gay, trans. All, and he goes through this long list of, of people who, by the way, biblically the gospel is for. Okay, But he followed the statement with, we show grace to those people, we love those people, we, whatever. And, and Twitter is a cesspool of stupidity, all right, for lack of a better term. But... Um, I screenshot it because someone had replied to it and said, I 100% agree with your perspective on the gospel. However, I'm not sure that this is what you were saying. And the man responded in the grace and, and handled himself very well. He said, I'm not sure that this is what you're saying, but I do feel like it is biblical to clarify it. If you believe that the gospel that saved your soul from hell does not have the power to save your, your life from sin, you have a different perspective on the gospel. And that's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, amen, yeah, like, retweet, yeah, 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 but please watch this, okay? The Bible goes into a very deep, dark detail in the last couple verses of this passage to show you what a life without God leads to. And we are seeing that firsthand on every social media and news channel in today's society, okay? But if you, as a child of God, believe that the gospel that has the power to save your soul from hell also cannot change you in your anxiety, your depression, your struggles in this life. If the gospel cannot save your soul from maybe some stronghold in your life, some TV show chasing after maybe finances, chasing after education, education, chasing after all of these things that are worldly idols, then please watch this. We are no better than those that we would look at and we would say, well, they definitely need to change. And because the power of the gospel is so big and has the power to save us, it has that same power to free us from the sin that we could have experienced had we not encountered the gospel. 
And you and I, we can go to Romans chapter number one, and I could have taken this passage, and I could have broken it apart, and I could have shown you everything that is wrong with the world. But here, you want to know the main thing that is wrong with the world. The main thing that is wrong with the world is that they do not know God through Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. And so there is no way they can understand the light that comes from knowing God. In your handout, you have 1 John chapter number 1, verses 4 through 10. I won't take the time to read it. But what it basically talks about is it talks about how God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Darkness and light cannot coexist. If we shut the lights off in here and we close the blinds and we make it completely dark, guess what? One little light interrupts that darkness. Okay? But if we were to begin to shut off that light and close that blind and start to take the bulbs out of this because we don't actually have a light switch for that, that it just kind of comes on, okay? But if we were to start to take the bulbs out of this, eventually the darkness would overtake the light. And you and I have a responsibility to stop expecting people whose eyes and whose lives have grown accustomed to darkness. We've got to stop expecting them to live in the light. They've never experienced the light. But you and I also have a responsibility for ourselves as children of the light to stop living in darkness and to stop expecting those who are without light to look like light and to start expecting ourselves as children of God with the light to stop looking like darkness. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know I went a little bit over. We'll blame it on all of the introductory. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.